0: Filled with teaching, truths, and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au.
1: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Over this next hour, we're going to be turning our attention to women today and more specifically, Christian women who have a dream to succeed in business. Our special guest today built a thriving mortgage lending business with her husband, but when her daughter asked how she knew she made the right choice for her career, she realised that she had surrendered her dreams in exchange for a sense of security and she has since become determined to instill in her own children the sky is the limit to their dreams, in contrast to a glass ceiling she built over her own. Stephanie Hendricks' new book is called Meant for More, Turning Passion into Purpose and Designing the Life You Were Made For. Stephanie is the founder of Meant For More, a platform designed for today's modern, ambitious woman, navigating the messy middle of motherhood, marriage, business and faith. Stephanie Hendrick, a special welcome along to 2020. Have we got you, Stephanie? Stephanie?
0: Oh, we do now. I'm sorry about that. I'm so excited to
1: be here. And uh, I might just say for listeners, we've got you on the line today from Arizona in the United States. Where is home for you?
0: Home is actually here in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, out in the desert. Uh, it's quite hot here most of the year, and uh, but it's been home for me for most of my life.
1: Okay, from Phoenix, Arizona, Stephanie, your book, It's Meant for More, and your target here is, you're really speaking to women who are perhaps uh, maybe, uh, you know, feeling as though they're just treading water, and the idea of becoming a female entrepreneur, is that the focus, Is you know, are we talking to a particular set of women here, is there a certain set of women who are left out, or is there a particular target for your book?
0: Mm-hmm. That's such a great question, Neil. So, you know, as you, if you were to talk with any author, they're always going to tell you that when writing a book, you always want to envision your reader and you want to write directly to them. So, this book was dreamt up and designed and written to that ambitious woman. Uh, it doesn't mean she has to be an entrepreneur. It doesn't mean she has to be a mother. It's really just the woman who says to themselves late at night when they're lost in their own thoughts, there is something more for me. I haven't figured it out yet, but I know there has to be more to this life. No, I will say this, to my surprise, this book is resonating with men as well, which, which is really, really neat. I've been on many podcasts now where men are telling me that because their fathers, their husbands, their uncles, or, or significant others, They're finding that it inspires them and shows them what's on the other side of, you know, the women in their life.
1: Do you find that people swing between different points on the pendulum? Sometimes, as you say, they wake up in the night and they're feeling contented with what they've got, where they are and the trajectory they're on. And other nights, they'll wake up and say, there must be more. And uh, that discontentment, that uh, you know—that way of uh, of maybe it is that a prompting to manoeuvre out of the nest, those sorts of things, do people sort of swing between two positions? And if you do, in fact, have those thoughts about maybe there is more that I'm meant for, that that might be a sign that you ought to be thinking about some new directions.
0: Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I would say that you're definitely going to have those people who are very, very content. My own younger sister, I actually share a story about her within the book. And I explain like, hey, no matter what you're doing for a living, this is going to apply. And that is the, the idea that not everyone is going to agree with you. Not everyone is going to have that same experience or that same nudge, for example, that I had within me to pursue something bigger than I thought possible. So admittedly, I, I want to put that out there first. But for those that that do relate to this, do resonate with the idea that they're meant for more, I think you have a great point. I think you really, truly do. I can say for myself, I went through that where there were days where I thought, I am just a mom and a wife and a businesswoman trying to survive, so more has to wait, right? I I refer to it in the book as putting it up on a shelf. I kind of had to put those dreams up on a shelf at times. Other times, though, as we said, you sit there late at night or you're driving in the car in silence and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, please tell me that there is there is something bigger than this. I'm, I'm done with the same day in and out and in and out.
1: So we might ask, where do big dreams come from? Are they a distraction from what we are doing now or are they, in fact, coming from God I mean I don't know how deeply you think through these sorts of issues but do you have any thoughts about where your big dreams maybe that nudge that says you were meant for more and whether that's coming from God or whether it's coming from something perhaps a bit more self-centered
0: so I do my opinion on this is that 100% it is coming from him I believe he has a plan for each and every one of us men and women alike and, you know, I like to, and I, I share almost a parable, if you will, within my book where I describe that I, I believe that he has this great plan. And before we're ever even born, he's, he's so proud of, of, you know, who he's about to send down to earth and, and that it's almost our quest down here to figure out what is it that I can do to bring you glory? What is it that I can do to further your mission down here? What is it? Lord, that I can do to make you famous down here and bring more people to know you. And that, you know, as I began writing this book, it started out very much as a, a, a secular book. It was very business-oriented, very personal development. But as I would write it, it over the, the span of probably four to five months, biblical, it just kept coming back and back and back, so much so that I ended up publishing through a Christian publishing team because the message i realized was so faith-based when i really really stripped it down
1: So in some sense here, Stephanie, whether uh, it is uh, self or God uh, will depend on where you are spiritually too because it sounds like when you're making these sorts of decisions, confident that these dreams are coming from God, that there is a godly foundation in place. Uh, not everybody has that and some people are sort of tinkering around the edges and they're more interested in self but church and connection to God is a little bit more like a hobby than a, than a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts here for actually where you might be spiritually if you are discerning directions here and picking up something that may be a big dream that's coming from God into your own heart? Mm
0: -hmm. So I guess to speak to those that maybe don't have a deep faith or don't know faith, I think we still see those people all of the time that are very ambitious, very driven. Now they may not have a a a God-centered focus on what they're doing. They may not have come to have a relationship with him yet. And, you know, it's really up to people like you and I, um, Christians alike, around the world to plant those seeds and to live by faith and to live by example in hopes that we can, like I said, drop those seeds and influence others by the way we live our lives Now, for me, yes, it is very faith-based. So at the root of everything, when I would find discouragement, which was often, I still have discouragement. I I don't want to uh, sugarcoat that as if I've found found the answer. I most certainly have not. But any time I would struggle, I would be fearful, discouraged, stuck. I would just pray on it. And I would say, I know you have me here for some sort of reason. You have me in this position. And I can't quite figure out where it is you want me to go or what you want me to do, or in my case, what book you want me to write. So I would just take it one step at a time. And I talk about that a lot in the book because the simpler you can make it, the more you can allow him to guide you. And we can look back maybe six months from now, a year from now, several years from now and say, ah, that's what you were up to God. That's what you had planned, but we can't necessarily see it when we're in it.
1: And no doubt we grow into a God-given focus and understanding his purpose too. Hey, Stephanie, take us back to, uh, in the introduction I mentioned, the story of your daughter asking you a question. Uh, You know, hey, mum, what do you think about your own choice of career? Take us back to those moments because I think, that's uh, to me, that sounds like a very powerful question that you asked obviously had to think much more deeply than your immediate answer on the day. Take us back to that conversation with your daughter.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, for our listeners, I'll just share that I am a mother of two, and uh, our daughters are 11 years old and 8 years old. And in the mornings, I I know it's morning there in Australia right now, so there might be people on their way to work or or dropping off kids or perhaps they just did recently. Um, So I found myself one morning just frantic all over the household trying to find a missing shoe. My youngest daughter trying to, you know, get the lunches, grab their water bottles, get the kids in the car. It was, it was like any normal morning much where, you know, my thoughts aren't necessarily together. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky that we're all three getting into a vehicle and moving in the same direction. So we're, we're on the car ride. And we have about, I want to say maybe 10 minutes or so in the car from our home to the, to the girls' school. And we're just listening to the radio. We're just kind of trying to mellow out from the frantic morning. And as we get close to the school, my oldest daughter pipes up and just out of nowhere asks what she thought was a really simple question. Just, hey, mom, did you always know that you wanted to, to run a business with dad? Did you always know you wanted to do mortgages, you know, home, home mortgage lending? And though it's, though it's such a simple, innocent question for a child, you know for for a mother i mean i could say this for a father as well it really hit me in a moment when i was probably very very vulnerable and i know that now but when she asked it i gave her a very simple reply i chuckled i said no no of course not you know this is just this is just the career i found myself in after college and she could have cared less after i answered that that question we were in the school parking lot she was hopping out the door And off she went. What she doesn't know or won't know until she reads my book and reads this story in detail is that literally after that moment, I drove out of the school parking lot. I turned onto the first street and I pulled over in front of a house and I just cried. I mean, absolutely sobbed because that question hit a nerve that clearly was already there. I'd already been wrestling with what I was supposed to be doing and wondering if it was too late to change direction, wondering, you know, just what life was truly going to look like. And so she really just kind of hit the tip on the iceberg and opened up my eyes to the point where I said, am I going to change direction right now? Or am I going to stay the course? And that I think is where so many people find themselves and they have that decision to make.
1: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour on the line live from Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona in the US, Stephanie Hendrick. We're talking about her new book. It's called Meant for More, Turning Passion into Purpose and Designing the Life You Were Made For. Stephanie, let me come back to your kids and those questions about mum's career. Uh, Did you choose that and were you comfortable with it? That took you to a place where you started to think about how you might actually limit your own children's choices in career if you're not careful. Take us into how, as a parent, your thinking changed about how you talk about your own kids and where they might choose to go with their careers.
0: Absolutely. I love this question. You know, right before the break, we were talking about that pivotal moment in my life and that writing the book really stemmed from my oldest daughter's question saying, Mom, is this where you always thought you'd be or what you'd be doing? And so in the moments, the exact moments that followed that question, when I was really having that internal reflection and sobbing, if we're being honest, you know, I began to realize that the biggest impact I was going to have was not necessarily on my own life, but on my two daughters. because what I realized is a couple of things about being a parent, and I'm sure all of you parents listening can relate to this. On the one hand, um, oftentimes our daughters will look to will look to their mom and, and that's who they see themselves growing up to be. That's who they like to pretend they're going to, to be or dress up in our clothes. And so being a mom of daughters, I knew that. I knew that they were watching me even more closely than they were perhaps watching my husband. On the other hand, I also knew that being a parent, that our kids don't necessarily listen to the things we tell them as they grow up, right? They, they, they're not going to necessarily listen. I mean, that's like the running joke of being a parent. However, there is very much, as the phrase goes, monkey see, monkey do, And that was what was resonating deeply with me was that my, our kids were going to, they were going to do what they saw their parents do. And so knowing that I realized if I don't change direction, if I don't follow this calling and step into who it is, I believe God is calling me to be, then how can I expect that of my girls someday? How can I encourage them when really they'd be able to look at me and say, well, why mom? It's hard. You didn't do it. And, and I didn't want that moment. I want the moment in the future where I can say, it is hard, but I showed you how. And, you know, it was such a beautiful, beautiful moment. One that I didn't even expect when the book came out, or it was actually days before the book was released to the public. And so this was in, uh, in December. And I received a huge package from the publisher with the books they were shipping to me. And I did not open the package. I allowed our daughters to be there with us, and they opened the package. And I thought they were just going to jump for joy and be our cheerleaders, but they both cried. Cried just tears of happiness, tears of just uh, so much emotion. One reason being I dedicated the book to them, but I think the other reason was they saw their mom bring a dream to fruition. And now they know it can be done.
1: So, this role modeling, you know, mum makes a choice here, and it actually becomes a role model, and your children get to participate in your success. And that in itself is actually shaping them. I don't know what it's like in America. It's probably very similar, Stephanie. In Australia, we can tend to fall into the career that we move into into our adult years. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts around the difference between falling into a career and making a choice. Because perhaps we all start off falling into something Uh, you know, developing some areas of gifting and uh, being able to uh, do some things better than others and say we move into those sorts of careers. But what about this idea of uh, this choice that we might have? Uh, Either go with what we've fallen into or then choosing to pursue some God-given dreams. What are your thoughts here?
0: Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you say that because I, I do talk about that in the book. Um, In fact, it's probably in the first or second chapter when I'm really laying the foundation for how I even changed direction and how I got to this point. And much to your point, I did fall into my original career. I was just uh, working for a mortgage company out here as a uh, senior in college and had no intention of staying in that, right? I just wanted to finish my studies and have a job. And, you know, unbeknownst to me, my Prince Charming, my future husband. Worked at the same company that I found myself at, and so falling in love with him, getting married, we—I just naturally stayed in the business with him, and we decided to grow a sales team together. So it was two to a T, exactly as you described. Now, in terms of of uncovering that purpose, and maybe this is what we can kind of start to talk about. I do guide readers through in the book exactly how I began to take a step back and say. Well, okay, I know I'm good at this. I know I fell into this and I'm, I'm gifted perhaps in this career. However, what other tools or skills or passions have God put within me that might actually be my true purpose? And that, that was the shift I had to make. That's exactly what I like to guide the reader through, how to do that practice within the book.
1: Okay, we're not long out from news, and we'll probably pick this up beyond news as well, but let's introduce this idea now. Oftentimes when we talk about Mm -hmm. women and careers, it's more complicated for women than it is for men. You talk about ambitious women and navigating the messy middle of motherhood, marriage, business, and faith. I wonder whether you've got a few thoughts on the messiness of the extra dimensions that there are in women who are choosing a career.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the messy middle is how I like to refer to it, just because it truly is a mess. And I think it's so, so important for women to understand that when they see someone chasing ambition or chasing purpose or succeeding in a career, it does other women absolutely no justice at all if they think that it's it's as, as pretty and polished as it looks on the outside. And so I like to be very, very transparent that, hey, I may have published a book. I may be a motivational speaker. I may have changed careers and pursued purpose, but don't think for a second that I'm not still cleaning up the messes at home or running kids to sporting events all over town or working with them with their homework or My husband and I up late working on a different project, it very much is, you know, a chaotic life. And so that's what I like to refer to it as.
1: Uh, Let's talk about the idea of a Proverbs 31 woman. I wonder whether you've got a thought or two here, because some will be saying that perhaps uh, when we talk about uh, a Christian woman, Uh, You know, some even love to caricature a Christian woman, you know, her place is in the home. The Proverbs 31 woman is a pretty high-level example of a biblical foundation for womanhood. What are your thoughts around Proverbs 31?
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to be honest, Neil, because I'm not a biblical scholar, I'm going to have to Google Proverbs 31 right now just to know that off of the top of my head.
1: Well, uh, let me just uh, fill in the idea that if you go to Proverbs 31 and from verse 10, there is a wonderful uh, pictorial image, uh, a picture of, an, of a, a woman of noble character, and uh, she lacks nothing of value. You could go through that particular passage. Uh, she goes and she buys a field. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Uh, She sees her trading as profitable. Uh, She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She makes garments and sells them. She is clothed with strength and dignity. It is an absolutely wonderful picture of womanhood. And uh, for some people who like to think that somehow rather the Christian image of womanhood is something less than uh, what a modern feminist image of womanhood might be, they ought to come back to Proverbs 31. So Proverbs 31, one of those pictures of womanhood in the Bible, and uh, it paints the woman as someone who is business minded and is uh, mm-hmm. certainly, you know, is certainly capable of pursuing whatever career she wants. Uh, so I don't know whether you've got that up there on your Google there at the moment, but your thoughts around the sort of biblical images that we might have of womanhood, and the fact that uh, we ought not to be settling for less.
0: Absolutely, I do have it in front of me, and and I am very familiar with it. Um, you know, I think that right there is is proof. It's truth right in front of us to say that women were designed for purpose, just as much as men were. There there seemed to be this, I'm going to say almost man-made perception that there was in, there was inequality between men and women, when really, from a biblical standpoint, that was never the case. That was just man's interpretation somewhere along the way. And so if you do refer to Proverbs 31, it does show a woman in many, many examples there where she is finding purpose. She is finding things that maybe she is skilled at or that um, when it talks about her helping the poor, I mean, maybe those are things that are passions on her heart. And so there she finds herself able to help and, and find fulfillment through that, for example. And, you know, one neat thing that we gotten to see just with humanity evolving over these generations is that the role of a woman has changed drastically. Um, And I'm sure that's very much worldwide, not just my experience here in the United States, but from even just a couple generations ago, uh, you know, yes, women's place was strictly in the home. And I do talk about this in the book. It is controversial. I'll put that out there. However, are we really true thought leaders if we don't Introduce ourselves to things that can be controversial, and so what I mean by that is, is that a couple generations ago, women were told you, you know, um, you you don't go to college or you, you know, your job is in the home only. You will have children. You will raise children. You will keep the home tidy. You will cook. You will clean. And that is very much how life was. And what we're realizing is that I don't think that that's you know, Call it my opinion if you want, but I don't think that that's all God placed us here for. I think maybe that's a season of our lives is to find purpose in raising children. Again, remember, I'm a mother of two. There's tremendous purpose in raising these tiny little humans running around the house. But there is so much more life when they grow up and when they go out on their own. That you need to reflect have that inner reflection where you ask yourself what am i going to do with the rest of my life what what is it that i'm here to do or who am i here to serve
1: our facebook question today asks do you think women settle for less because they juggle motherhood marriage business and faith Uh, There's uh, one comment there from Kerry who thinks that this question may be a little out of touch with society. I don't know whether that would be the case, but have you got a a thought or two? Uh, It's a question that asks about juggling motherhood, marriage, business and faith. Uh, From a listener there, in some ways out of touch with society. Has society moved so significantly that those things are, for a lot of people, not even the question they're asking?
0: No, I I can fully understand where she's coming from, where where she's probably in a point where she's like, No, of course women can can be mothers and wives and, and they can have careers. And she's right, we have seen such tremendous growth in this area. However, you know, given that I have spoken with so many different people that have both read the book or I speak to them after conferences or speaking engagements that I have, this is still a very, very relevant topic. And I think it's always going to be to some extent. Because we, and again, this is men and women, part of life is discovering who you are and what your identity truly is, what you're really here for. Again, I don't think that's for just women. I think that's for men as well. But there is there is this piece of life, right, where you say, well, but as a mother, am I supposed to take time off of work? Am I supposed to be home with them and raise them? Am I, is it selfish of me to try and grow a business or climb the corporate ladder, so to speak, if it takes me away from being able to make every sporting event for my kids or every school function. So that idea of settling, uh, when you do push aside your dreams because you feel guilty or you feel like you need to be more present as a mother, that is still very much relevant. I, I think that question is something that many women do wrestle with.
1: Okay. our question is, do you think women settle for less because they juggle motherhood, marriage, business and faith? Bernard has replied on Facebook and says perhaps men settle for less because they juggle fatherhood, marriage, business and faith. Hey guys, perhaps I'm a little rude here, but please do not be sexist. Uh, and as you said, I must say, Stephanie, early on, uh, that men are interested in your book as well, even though you're writing for women, because uh, men can find themselves in the contrast, uh, but in the same boat of uh, of juggling all of these things too. Any thoughts here for men in, in this in the same context?
0: Yes, absolutely. And so I know a few different times you and I have talked about how this has, a lot of these principles are applicable for both men and women. One quick thing I will say as to why the book is written specifically to women. One, obviously, being a woman, I can relate firsthand to that experience. Um, but there is a business reason behind why I did that. There's a, a saying, and I, I won't get the exact phrase correct here, but essentially the principle in business is if you if you have too broad of an audience, you'll resonate with no one. However, if you niche down, you'll resonate with a much larger, larger audience. And so that just just to his, his point, I want to explain why the book is written to women. Um, But as a result of that, like we said early on, it is resonating with men. And and I do think that there are probably men who say, hey, maybe I have a lot of um, obligations, responsibilities, the same types of things as women. And so very much so maybe they did settle on their career as a result, perhaps in their household, maybe the wife is the one that um, has a, the busier career, and so they find themselves juggling a lot more with the children. It's you know Every household and family dynamic is different. It's not, it's not always where the woman is doing most of the parenting or most of the household duties. Sometimes it's the opposite, and sometimes nowadays we're seeing more of a 50-50 shared split. I think that's kind of a newer type of thing with the most recent generation um but so to his point i don't think it's a sexist thing whatsoever
1: okay let's talk about men and women because uh, let's talk the traditional christian concept of marriage and uh, for some that's even becoming somehow rather outdated. Never outdated on this program I might say. Uh, Let's talk about a man and a woman. Uh, The two become one flesh and the idea Mm -hmm. that uh, a husband plays a role in kickstarting the dreams of his wife into reality and uh, I wonder if you've got any thoughts around this and uh, your own story here because you're married and you've got your two daughters your husband's role is in encouraging you and equipping you and being a part of being the cheerleader for getting your dreams underway. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I
0: think that um, having a supportive spouse, so whether this is a man listening and his wife is a supportive one or like in my case where it was my husband, um, that was, it was so pivotal. And I'm not saying that if you're not married or you don't have a supportive spouse, I'm not saying that it can't be done, that your dreams can't be chased. What I am saying, though, is that when you do have a godly marriage, you know, the the spouse recognizing what's within you, that passion, that purpose, that faith-based drive, that it, it's such a powerful um, asset to have. So my own husband, you know, remember, we built our business together. I think we, we briefly mentioned that in my introduction. And so there was so much conversation between him and I as to how are we going to replace me within our business so that I can take this, the necessary steps back out of it and pursue this path of writing and motivational speaking. And that took us about a year to find the right people, train them, to hire them. I mean, it was tremendous risk that he had to agree to with me to say, wow, this is going to be quite an investment because we're no longer going to be paying you, but we're yet, we're going to be paying people to replace you. And then as I was writing, he became my accountability partner. Hey, how's it going? How many, what's your word count for today? Where are you stuck? He was the words of encouragement when I had days where I'm like, I stared at a screen for four hours, honey. And I had you know a sentence I, you know, he, he was there to hold me accountable, but to also give me, you know, that loving encouragement as well.
1: Because uh, just filling in a gap here, I think that when you decided that there was something more, uh, the thing that your husband encouraged you into and that was a dream that you felt was coming from God, uh, taking first steps was to actually start writing a blog. So when you're talking about being there at your computer for four hours and you've got one sentence, uh, this was a transition Mm -hmm. time, though. And uh, you've got to start with small steps. Was that a small step for you or starting a blog? Was that a big step? for you, Stephanie? I'll
0: say, I'll say that it felt like a big step because I'd never created a website before, right? This was something I had no experience in whatsoever. Um, but to, to break it down, I mean, when I say one step, I don't want someone to say maybe they feel the same way I did where it's like, I don't, I don't know the first thing you do about how to create a website or a blog. And so you have to truly, truly break it down into one step. And so what that was for me was literally jumping on the Internet and Googling, you know, uh, how to create a blog. And, of course, what comes up, another blog about how to create a blog. And I sat there. I remember it was late in the evening one night, and my husband and kids were playing a, a game before they were going to go to bed. And I sat there just with one screen up where it told me step by step how to do this. And on my other screen, I was actually doing the steps one after the other. I mean, it was as simplified as it could possibly get because I had no knowledge of how to do this.
1: You've got to start somewhere and you're in the deep Mm -hmm. end. (laughs) Let's come to something which I think is a really important component here. If you're grappling with the idea of doing something, you know you were meant for more. And that is the idea of having a level of guilt that's associated with wanting more. Uh, when everyone else assumes that you should want less. What are your thoughts here on grappling with your own feelings, your own emotions, and then uh, being able to take that small step, big step forward?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I would say that the guilt I felt was more so for how it was going to impact my family. And so what I mean by that is there was guilt, for example, over telling my husband that, hey, I know, I know our business is going very, very well and it's growing year after year after year, but I'm about to, I'm asking for permission to pull the rug out from under us, right? And so there was tremendous guilt in knowing that I was asking him to take a steep incline and go up this uphill battle with me. I felt guilt over, um, you know, the time that I knew that this was going to take, especially when writing the book, Um, that there were going to be times when I needed to be writing. So maybe on a Saturday morning, for example, I I wasn't out playing with the kids. Maybe my husband was doing an activity or a game with them while I just went into the office and tried to write for a two hour block. So there was guilt over those types of things. Um, I, I can't say, I can't say that I had guilt over the idea that, that I was meant for something bigger. And here's why. I think every single one of us are meant for something bigger. This isn't a Stephanie was meant for more. This is Stephanie saying we're all meant for something bigger. And what it came down to for me was, you know, the day I die and go to heaven, the last thing I would want to happen is for God to look at me and say, I had such great plans for you. You were such a pivotal piece, as is everyone in my, you know, great plan, my divine plan, but because of fear or because of guilt or any sort of excuse you can insert here, you decided not to pursue it. And that, that to me is what said, nope, suppress that guilt, you know, push it to the side. It's nothing. That's, that's Satan talking and focus your eyes on what he truly wants you to do.
1: We were all meant for more. The question that listeners are responding to today on Facebook is, do you think women settle for less because they juggle motherhood, marriage, business and faith? Uh, Let me just go to another comment from a listener, an interesting one from Anne, who says, less what? You know, sort of in this idea of settling for less. Anne says, less life satisfaction, less earthly assets, less opportunities for service, less Christian growth. Juggling sounds random. Managing sounds more positive. All these aspects of life can be complementary. So satisfying. A thought or two here perhaps for Anne on the idea that perhaps uh, getting orderly about that list of things that are messy may be a useful thing.
0: (laughs) I, I, I welcome the, the comment, and I think that we just need to respect that each one of us lives a very different life, and each one of us is chasing something quite different. And so the term messy middle is meant in jest. It's meant as a fun, lighthearted term. If you read my book, you'll realize that I put my, my personality and my soul into this book. So you will get the raw, you will get the funny, you will get the quirky comments and anecdotes. And so those phrases to me are just me being authentic. Again, I don't think a polished front does does women justice. I don't think that saying a balanced life is fair. I, I don't think that it's going to make other women that are chasing, you know, life or, or struggling as they're really trying to climb through a career and raising kids and keeping a household and working on their marriage, let's not pretend that it's, that it's all polished or that it's all pretty or that it's easily managed. And that has been a huge goal of mine, is to not sugarcoat it.
1: Lorraine says women don't actually accept less. They learn to be grateful for what they have. A busy day has no time to see what they don't have. Uh, any thoughts here for someone like Lorraine and her thoughts? Mm,
0: I love that Lorraine is touching on gratitude. That is actually a section of my book where I talk about what makes a very powerful morning routine to really set yourself and ground yourself to feel accomplished. And gratitude, as Lorraine brings up is such a huge tool because she's right. There needs to be con- contentment and and joy in your life and being understanding and embracing that you're meant for more, that that God has a purpose for your life really has nothing to do with gratitude, but I just want to address it and to say that I I agree with her that gratitude is such a pivotal part. The pursuit of being meant for more, the pursuit of God's purpose for you is not, um, is not found in assets. It's not found in your bank account. It's not found in your possessions. So just to be crystal clear on that this has nothing to do with um earthly things and things that can distract us from what we're really put on this earth for.
1: And Mike in Tasmania makes a point he says uh, Proverbs 15:22 plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors, they succeed. He says we need to seek the counsel or advice from the godly. Also, his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Don't trust our hearts, which can be deceitful and selfish. So if you are grappling with these ideas, uh, dreams that you believe have come from God, uh, when, you know, we talked about, you know, having the spouse that will be our best cheerleader, but what about some wise counsel on the side if you are continuing to, uh, you know, pursue some ideas idea of breaking free and doing something different uh, what are your thoughts here for uh, for seeking wise counsel Stephanie?
0: Mm, I love that and I love that that was brought up because I'll share another story from the book and that is the idea of God having a purpose for our lives the premise of this book was not something that I just woke up and said I'm just going to stand on a on a soapbox and tell this to people no no this idea came from a sermon in church from a pastor that I respect immensely. He um, such a wise man and, and he actually a sermon one day talking about God having purpose for our lives and, and us wanting to bring glory to him and to bring others to know him was really what inspired me to begin to do that internal work and that happened right at the, around the same time within weeks of that uh, conversation with my daughter that, that we talked about at the beginning of the show. And so seeking that wise counsel. So I will tell you that for me, I did spend a lot of time in prayer. I spent time talking to pastors. I spent time um, in the word and trying to really get guidance from above and say, is this right? Am I? And again, when you break it down step by step, you're really allowing that patience to seep in. You're allowing God to do his work through you as opposed to trying to control the entire thing yourself. You know, if I try to do it myself, that may take me in a completely different direction than what God is trying to do through me or through you.
1: Well, Stephanie, I think you are an inspiration, and I think there'll be a lot of people, men and women, uh, women especially, uh, taking some real encouragement from the sorts of things you've been sharing with us through this hour. I do want to point our listeners to your new book. It's called Meant For More, turning passion into purpose and designing the life you were made for. Uh, Stephanie is the founder of Meant for More. It's a platform designed for today's modern, ambitious woman navigating the messy middle of motherhood, marriage, business, and faith. Now you can get a hold of the book. It's available online. You can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, also Westbow Press online bookstore. And uh, Stephanie, just quickly, uh, you mentioned your blog. Uh, where do people find your blog online?
0: So the blog, the book, uh, speaking engagements—those are all on my website, which is www.stephaniehendrick.com.
1: Okay, stephaniehendrick.com, and uh, you'll be able to get to know Stephanie a little better. Her book is called "Meant for More: Turning Passion into Purpose." And designing the life you were made for. Stephanie, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with listeners in Australia today on 2020.
0: Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.